Chapter Eleven of the Forgery by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. Three chapters to one group of people is almost more than it is fair to allow, and yet the fact of there being three in the group, as well as a strong predilection on my own part for chronological progression, must excuse my remaining attached to Henry Haley and his fair companions, at least till that day had reached its close. Now the period of a day's close may be differently estimated, according as a man is astronomical, judaical, ecclesiastical, or chronological. Some will have it that sunset closes the day, some say midnight is the day's end, which of course is a contradiction in terms, some one hour, some another. But as men have never been agreed upon the subject since the beginning of the world, and I am decidedly fond of paradoxes, I prefer midnight, and therefore declare that when I say the close of the day, I mean neither more nor less than twelve o'clock at night. With a light and joyful step, henry haley took his way through the park where he had so often played in infancy and boyhood towards one of the two lodges selecting that one the gates of which opened upon the road near a little village at which he had left the post-chaise that brought him from london the moon just risen and not far from the full showed him many an old familiar sight and the happiness of his own heart harmonized so well with the pleasant memories of the past that he almost fancied himself a boy again and all the terrible realities of the last ten years nothing but a painful dream there was one thing indeed which might have proved to him that it was not so that there was a wide interval between the past and the present and that was the sensation of passion yes there was now passion in his bosom passion which had not been there before passion which even at the dawn of morning he had not felt let not the reader marvel there are certainly such things occasionally as love at first sight but with him it was very different if the eye which runs over these lines saw the sun rise as often as mine does i see him open the curtains of the night i believe more frequently than any man in england more frequently even than the matutinal labourer of the fields if any reader i say saw the sun rise as often as i do he would understand the whole process of henry's love in a moment not that it had anything to do with sunrise or with sunset or with the rising southing and setting of the moon but there is a certain comfortable arrangement which every early riser practises or should practise in the winter and which perfectly explains henry haley's case you direct the housemaid to take a bundle of dry sticks called in some place a faggot in other parts of the country a bavin in london men use square bits of deal and laying them artistically with sufficient spaces between them to allow the air to pass to place over them a mass or quantity of paper such a manuscript as this would do very well but a newspaper is better for a thousand to one it contains more inflammable materials over all you superinduce a thin and pervious stratum of bituminous coal and then in the morning when you rise you put a candle lighted to the paper and the whole mass is ablaze in a moment now in henry haley's case fate had been the housemaid the friendships and affections of youth piled one upon the other had been the wood nicely laid the paper might perhaps be represented by all the longing eager memories and fancies of and regarding the fair companion of his youth 
during the last long ten years a warm earnest ardent heart was the inflammable coal at the top and the sudden sight the tender interest and kindly affection of maria were the light which kindled the flame in a moment he had in short met her that night loving her very much and he left her loving her as much as it is possible for man to love he went through the park then with the spirit of the past and the present on either hand leading him through paths of fairy flowers to scenes of imaginary happiness ah that quarter of an hour was well worth the ten years of suffering he could hardly make up his mind to pass the gates but there was no use in lingering and he sped on such a frugal dinner as he wanted was easily obtained at the little public-house for it did not deserve the name of an inn and when it was over he still sat for a time and thought of maria not of lady anne till his watch which he had laid on the table showed him that it was time to depart for his next visit then indeed he turned his mind to her whom he was so soon to see but still henry haley was a gentleman not in manners alone but in heart and mind and a gentleman never misunderstands a woman there was not one thought in his bosom which could have pained or offended lady anne if she had seen them all she is a dear kind good girl he said to himself as he walked on and still so like what she was as a child happy state happy character which changes not with the hard world's experience which has no need to change mistress of herself her actions and her fortune armed in honesty of purpose and purity of heart why should she bend the finest feelings and the noblest principles to the cold rules of the world the lodge-gate was soon reached the grounds were soon passed through and when he stood under the portico and stretched out his hand to the bell the village clock clear and musical struck nine i am to the moment he thought and i am glad of it i would not repay such regard with the slightest appearance of neglect the servant who opened the door showed no wonder at the sight of a young and very handsome stranger asking to see lady anne at that hour of the night all her servants had given up wondering at lady anne long ago giving his name as colonel middleton henry was at once led to the drawing-room where she was sitting and as soon as he had entered the door was closed she at once rose from the book she had been reading and advanced to meet him with both her hands stretched out he took them affectionately and to his surprise she raised her face to his and kissed his cheek there henry she said now that i have astonished you enough i will try and be reasonable and first that you may not think me anything but very mad i will tell you something but first sit down by me here well i was going to say i have made up my mind that you are to marry maria monkton i am quite sure of it there were tears upon her cheek when i came in and love enough in your eyes to show me the whole then again as i have told charles marston if he asks me some day when i am in a good humour i may marry him it is all arranged and now you may think me odder stranger wilder than ever and i believe it is so for the very great joy of seeing you again when every one but myself believed you dead has carried me quite away and you did not then believe me dead lady anne asked henry do not call me by that odious name she answered and then added only half i doubted and so did my poor father till his last hour 
little reason had we to doubt it is true but still you know henry doubt is a very clinging plant look here she continued raising a light from the table and leading the way through chairs and sofas and various sorts of furniture to the other side of the large room look here do you know whose picture this is mine answered henry with a smile what could tempt you to buy it i did not buy it she said it was given to me and i have always hoped faintly fearfully but still hoped to see that face again the face of the brother of my girlhood i one time thought of giving it to maria for i knew it would be a comfort and a consolation to her but i had not the heart and now of course you will have another painted for her which will please her better as it will be more like the present that will do well for me it is the henry of my remembrance it must be owned that henry haley was puzzled he had seen and observed many women acting in many circumstances but he had never yet seen sisterly affection so warmly so plainly displayed towards any one not actually akin to her who felt it yet let there be no mistake he did not misunderstand lady anne mellant for an instant he did not suppose that she was moved towards him by any feelings but those which she acknowledged but he thought and thought with a sigh that those feelings might be misunderstood by others for the world rarely if ever as he well knew understands perfect sincerity of character he saw however that his love for maria was not to be concealed from her and therefore that there was no use in attempting to hide it and he answered you must not suppose dear lady that all my hopes and wishes are so near attainment as to justify me in even dreaming of painted pictures there is much to be thought of much to be considered first you must be aware that i am even now in a dangerous situation and although i need not tell you i am innocent of all that was ever laid to my charge though i think i can prove my innocence and am resolved to attempt it yet there is peril even in the attempt lady anne smiled gaily i do indeed know you are innocent she said and my dear father knew you were innocent he told me so himself upon the bed of death she added a grave shade spreading over her fair face he saw mr haley for some hours as soon as he recovered from a terrible accident he met with and from his lips he heard and knew the whole but now henry sit down and tell me all your history for satisfied that you are here living and well i have hitherto asked you no questions but still there must be a strange tale to be told for even mr haley himself was fully convinced of your death till his own last hour after you have done i have something to give you which my father left you if ever you should appear again he gave me other directions also which i ought to have acted upon before but which whether fortunately or not i cannot say i have not acted upon in my thoughtless levity as yet they were to make public what i knew of your innocence and of the circumstances which cast suspicion upon you as soon as mr haley was dead but i have been absent from england roaming about and since my return i forgot it all i am glad you have not as yet said anything upon the subject replied henry thoughtfully your unsupported testimony of what your kind and excellent father believed would do little legally to establish my innocence and i should wish to make every preparation before i discover myself at present i am so far safe although i now see that those who knew me well may recognize me more easily than i had imagined 
no one can prove my identity with henry haley while i can establish by proofs which cannot be controverted that i am frank middleton the son of an english gentleman and a spanish lady step by step from infancy to manhood i can show my identity with that person without by one word from my own mouth violating truth in the slightest degree the spanish consul-general now in london would at any time swear that i am the son of mrs middleton having seen me many times at the house of her uncle recognized as her son by all the family this character i shall certainly keep up for some time till i have carefully sought for and arranged all the evidence that is yet to be found regarding that transaction which condemned me to ten years of exile and disgrace nay listen for depend upon it such things are not so easily proved to the satisfaction of a court of law as kind and inexperienced hearts like yours and dear maria's are willing to believe nevertheless i do think my innocence can be established for in corroboration of a paper which my father gave me acknowledging the act as his and exculpating me some of the innkeepers at whose houses i stayed while seeking your father in northumberland and in wales must still be living and can show that i was not as has been asserted flying from justice with the money obtained by forgery but eagerly following a nobleman of unimpeached honour upon business of importance i think it will not be difficult in short to prove every step of my course so as to bear out fact after fact of the plain and simple tale i have to tell i must also seek and find my poor aunt as soon as possible not only for affection's sake but because i feel almost certain that sooner or later my father must have told her the truth i will therefore beseech you dear lady anne to keep my secret with the utmost care for some weeks to come and not to betray any recognition of me as henry haley by a word a look or a sign that i will promise and faithfully perform henry replied lady anne with a smile but still we have much to talk of and first tell me all your history and then i will tell mine in return the same tale was told by henry to his present auditor as had been told to maria monkton though not exactly in the same words though somewhat drier in the details and though more a relation of mere facts than of facts and feelings mingled as it had been to maria yet it took long in telling and before it was concluded the sound of a carriage driving up hurried him to the end that is mrs bryce my old governess who lives with me still said lady anne henry there is much more to be said you must come to me to-morrow evening in london i will contrive to get rid of her there here perhaps i could not manage it without paining the good creature and awakening her attention too closely to yourself come and dine with me tete-a-tete at seven and tell maria not to be jealous henry promised and the next moment mrs bryce entered the room after an introduction to that lady by lady anne delivered in an easy commonplace tone the visitor took his leave and in half an hour after was on his way back to london End of chapter 11